In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time to get happy. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting Happiness on Togginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen, your host. I'm here to talk with you today about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. The achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global level. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on our guests, Dr. Ron and Mary Holnick, I want to open up the phone lines for call-ins at 877-864-4869. Again, 877 877- 864-4869. You can also log into our Togi chat, our chat room at toginet.net or .com and find us there. And you can also find us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness. Today's show um, is a very interesting one, and sometimes topics come up just when you need to hear them. Doctors doctors Ron and Mary Holnick are the founders of the University of Santa Monica, a small private graduate school offering master's degree programs in spiritual psychology. Most recently, Ron and Mary have released their newest book, Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of Spiritual Psychology. Loyalty to your soul means learning to live life from within the spiritual context of who you are, which means the you that is the spiritual essence of your very being, as, to, as opposed to who you think you are, which is really all about your ego or personality. The idea is that, quote, we are not human beings who have a soul, we are souls having a human experience. We are having a couple of challenges, as often happens with live radio and when the weather is acting up, and we know that um, the western states are upside down with the weather. Uh, We've got western states that should be warm, that are very, very cold, ours included, and... um, 
while we wait for that to get squared away and for Ron and Mary to join us, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about strengths because I am undergoing some coaching with another one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Robert Biswas-Diener, who is the Indiana Jones of positive psychology. And we are um, working on a coaching program. It's continuing education for me on the cultivation of strengths to have confident, successful lives and enjoy better relationships by realizing the best of who we are. Um, so this is uh, another guest that we will have coming on the show soon. Um, and I also wanted to mention that you can find Ron and Mary Holnick, the founders of the University of Santa Monica, and the authors of Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of Spiritual Psychology, at www.loyaltytoyoursoul.com. You can find out about them personally, find out about the book, find out about the University of Santa Monica, which I am very proud to mention is my alma mater. That's where I obtained my master's degree in spiritual psychology. And I am using my education to work with returning military soldiers and their families who are experiencing combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration issues, as well as a generalized coaching practice and my radio work and writing and so on and so forth. But the education that one... um, obtains at the University of Santa Monica is an an experiential one where you really put yourself through the paces of questioning who you are, what you stand for, and how you want to live your life, how you want to show up for life in the world. So I can't wait to talk further with Ron and Mary. They've been on the show before. We're real familiar with them here and love having them on. Um, But we're just... uh, dealing with some technical difficulties. So we're all going to take a deep breath here and just sigh. <sighs> it's all good. Um, I often keep books next to my side in case things like this crop up, which they do from time to time. Um, I'm holding a book that was written by somebody who I have recently met, whose name is Jerry. Derlishon. And Jerry Derlishon is uh, one of the uh, public relations men at Pepperdine University. And he has written a book called The Success Merchants. The book is quite old, but in this book, he goes through the major influences of people in the human potential movement. It's real interesting. He talks about uh, Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, Earl Nightingale, and on and on and on, uh, Robert Schuller, Jesse Jackson, Baba Ram Das, Mary Kay, and Werner Earhart, and several people who have made a, a difference in the human potential movement. They are the, the forefathers or foremothers who really paved the way for many of the businesses and movements that you see today. Um, I don't know if we have our, our guests on yet, but I'll just keep talking and be smooth as I can here, and uh, they're on. Hey, good morning, <laughs> Mary and Ron. Good, good morning. morning, Lisa. Oh. How are you? We're so sorry. Oh, this is this is life, you know? This, yeah. And we're so <laughs> glad you're here, and we're so glad that Carrie is so smooth. Carrie's my producer at TogiNet. She rocks in terms of figuring out what's wrong. So you're here and we are so grateful that you are and let's just jump right into it before we have to go to break and let's talk about the concept of unresolved issues in life because it's a huge, huge issue for many people. 
You know, Lisa, the definition, our definition of an unresolved issue is, is, very, is very simple. It's anything that disturbs your peace. You know, how I remember your words so well from lectures at, at USM, from our, from our classwork there. It's just disturbing your peace or anything that causes a dis, a discomfort or a dis-ease. Or anything that seems to cause a comfort or a dis-ease. Our point of view, of course, is that the discomfort and dis-ease is already present in the individual, and the whatever that happens merely triggers it. It's not cause it. Yes, and this is a, a novel concept for many people who are so outwardly referenced in how they deal with conflicts and issues. That it's I know, always, it's radical. It is radical because it's, it's, it's going from the problem is somewhere over there to the problem is inside or in, in, in the person that's looking back at me in the mirror. And of course, from our point, it's not even really a problem. It's an opportunity to resolve that issue so that that very same thing can happen and it simply doesn't disturb your peace, you just deal with it. Well, let's talk about this for a second. When, when things, in quotation marks, keep occurring, you know, repeat patterns in, one li- in one's lives, either relationship patterns, attracting the same kind of partner, or work conflicts, or conflicts with children, and it keeps coming up, and and everybody keeps doing the same dance in their response to it. How would you coach someone through um, changing the tape, or or turning the screw, or rewiring themselves to behave differently? Yes, well, that is such a great question, Lisa. One of the principles of spiritual psychology is that Outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. And the things that uh, occur in life repeatedly over and over and over again are actually pointing to how important it is for us to unravel what that's about and really heal it within our own consciousness. Many people are caught in, in serial relationships. So let's talk a little bit about dovetailing patterns in relationship. When we meet someone and there's a powerful positive attraction, what is happening is we're really seeing all the beauty and the great qualities that reside within that individual. We truly see them through the eyes of love. What's also going on, although we don't know it, is that On the unconscious level, there's also what we call uh, a matching of of energies of a more negative or challenging nature. So in other words, if I have a rejection pattern, I'll attract to me someone who ultimately is going to relate with me in ways that I interpret and experience as rejecting me. So the way out of this is really to recognize that I have a pattern of rejection and to work with healing that. And a second principle of spiritual psychology is how you relate to yourself, how you go through the issue is the issue. So learning to relate with myself in a compassionate way rather than heaping judgment and condemnation upon myself because, oh, no, here I go, it's happening again. I'm being rejected. 
We are going to need to go to a break in a minute, and I want to come back to this when we when we return. But I want to mention something funny about the the words that you just said about how I relate to the issue is the issue. I was giving a talk about three weeks ago. We had a little TEDx community event up here in Malibu, and I gave a speed talk of eight minutes using positive psychology and spiritual psychology principles in regards to flourishing in the new paradigm, which was our topic. And I mentioned something about how we relate to the issue is the issue. And somebody at one of the breaks came up to me and said, did you go to USM? (laughs) And we had a good laugh about it. That's great. It's definitely a hallmark of the USM education. You know, it's like the girl in class the other night who stood up and said, my boyfriend says that I don't listen to him. That's so hard to hear. We're going to the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Are you someone who leaps out of bed to greet the morning, amazed at your good fortune every hour of the day? Or are you someone like me who needs regular infusions of inspiration? I'm Meg Pierre, a photographer, travel writer, and creator of the website www viewfromthepeer.com, which focuses on the human quest to connect with self, others, and a sense of wonder. Every day, the site features a new beautiful image from my travels around the world, captioned by an uplifting quotation. This daily dose of inspiration is available free. Viewfromthepeer.com also presents monthly interviews with fascinating people I have met in my travels who offer their personal stories and wisdom along with in-depth destination stories about cultural traditions from around the world. If your day could benefit from a quick change of scenery or attitude adjustment, I invite you to visit www.viewfromthepeer.com. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. 
Welcome back. I'm here today with Drs. Ron and Mary Holnick, the founders of the University of Santa Monica, a, pra, a, small, a, pra, a small private graduate school offering master's degree programs in spiritual psychology. I want to give it a plug because it is my alma mater. And they are also the authors of Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of Spiritual Psychology. And before the break, we were talking about unresolved issues and how one relates to any issue that one is going through is truly the issue. And let's let's stay on that topic, Ron and Mary, if we can. Okay. <laughs> well, and and uh, Lisa, to me, you know, there's a corollary of how you relate to the issue is the issue. It's how you relate with yourself while you go through the issue is the issue. And if we can learn to be compassionate with ourselves, to have uh, empathy and to um, not heap judgment upon ourselves when we find ourselves going through difficult times. It just makes so much difference in the healing process. It doesn't have to be one of these things where you feel like you've been pulled through a knothole backwards. (laughs) You know, it gives me a great chuckle because I think it's um, a myth that is uh, propelled by, um, you know, in some cases, the medical industry, the mental health industry, that in order to heal, it has to be a painful process and an extension of the suffering. That's, that's not really accurate. No, see, not at all. See, the first thing that's very important is for people to understand where the disturbance is taking place. So I was talking with someone this past weekend in class who was a woman who uh, has two children, and her husband keeps what she calls picking on her. And that, that's very disturbing to her peace. And mm. so we would say, well, all right, so here's what's happening, and that is in your perception your husband is picking on you. But nevertheless, that behavior then goes inside of you, and you react to it. You react to it. It's not an absolute certainty. You must react that way. We react that way because we have these places that we call unresolved issues inside of ourselves. That behavior is triggering this inside of herself. What The instant she resolves that behavior inside of herself, her husband can pick on her all day long. It might be an annoyance, and she might not like it, and she might not choose to continue to be with him. It just won't disturb her peace. This is an excellent point, that people often do what they do unconsciously. I don't think the husband necessarily, from what you describe, is targeting, picking on her. He's just doing what he's doing. No, he really thinks that she's doing things wrong. But that's just a reflection of his unresolved issues. Yeah. And that's why we call it dovetailing patterns. You know, so I think one of the ways that um, we can assist in not suffering is learning to take responsibility for our own upsets. In other words, rather than blaming our partner and feeling victimized by their behavior, instead we recognize the upset is happening inside of me. And if I take responsibility for that and I work to heal it within my own consciousness, then I'm no longer at the effect. 
and no longer the victim and in, in, in complete control of my behavior, which is... Well, I wouldn't say... I would, I'm not sure we actually control anything. In fact, I have some, I have some sincere doubts about that. We don't need to worry about controlling our behavior. We just need to, we just need to become, learn how to heal these unresolved issues so that we become non-reactive. If we're in peace, what is there that we need to control? Uh, yes, point well taken. But the non-reactivity is a very um, challenging place to get to. A very yes, Buddhist, it is. Buddhist and that's state why, of mind. Uh, <laughs> that's why this whole field of spiritual psychology is emerging. We're actually saying the reason that you really want to consider working on these unresolved issues is not only because it will improve your relationship, which it will, but we are actually saying that these things are the only things that keep us from more fully knowing experientially who we are as divine, loving beings. It's part of our spiritual curriculum. You know, I, 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 do, I agree with you, and the spiritual curriculum is one that is untapped in the lives of many, although many will say, I'm a deeply spiritual person or I have a strong religious practice. There, it may be a disconnect with what the essence of that means. Yes, that really what the purpose of our life uh, experience is, and to consider the possibility that we're, we each come to... Uh, the earth with our own unique curriculum, the issues that we're here to resolve, the lessons that we're here to learn. But if we can learn that the situations and circumstances that happen to us in everyday life really are triggering our unresolved material and we can learn the tools of how to resolve them. There's another principle of spiritual psychology that's very applicable in that regard, and that is that healing is the application of loving to the places inside where there's pain or hurt. Mm. And by be, again, I would say by being learning how to be compassionate with ourselves, um, healing occurs. You know, going back to the concept, though, of... Uh controlling one's emotions which is which is very difficult and ron you mentioned the uh necessity of not controlling you know of just sort of uh allowing but one of the greatest tools that we can have is that of self-mastery and if we learn to control our reactions or maybe what you're saying is that we don't need to control anything once we have these things in alignment there is no need to control that it, it is a seamless process See, if you, the way that that, that, that notion uh, controlling our emotions, it, it's like these emotions come up inside of us and then we have to do something about them. And we talk about this. There are constructive, way, constructive ways to release emotions and there are destructive ways to release emotions. Um, you know, I think that blaming, yelling, fighting, those are all destructive ways. Taking time out, going off by yourself. Uh, having a self-talk, those are more constructive ways. Physical exercise a great way to blow off that kind of energy. It's important to learn how to release that energy because more and more evidence is mounting that when we don't 
It produces more stress in the body, and it results in illness and disease. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. But going back to the idea that one way to gain self-mastery is to, uh, when these emotions come up, you acknowledge that they're, that they're present. You don't bypass them. And I think that that's what's important to make clear in, in our conversation. We're not asking people to, to bypass them and put them away, but acknowledge that they're there. And then what are we asking? We're asking that they need to acknowledge that they're there and then work with them. But I want to come back to this for a minute, because when you're in that, when you really have mastered that, those emotions are no longer, you don't have those emotional experiences anymore. You don't have those anger flare ups. You don't feel hurt and depressed. They're just no longer present in your consciousness. It's as if you took some white out and they are erased. It's not a bypass. They literally are healed. They're no longer there. If somebody were to call in, I, you know, I know that, that there are several people who have, have told us they have questions. They knew you were coming on, so I'm hoping that we're going to have somebody call in very shortly. But if somebody were to call in and say they were having difficulties with their husband or, or wives in a certain area and it makes them angry, they're constantly walking around angry. How would, you, how would you approach someone like that? How would you coach them to process their emotions and take responsibility for them and move on with life? The first thing that, if they came to me, the first thing that I would, that I would need to do with them is to educate them that there are two different contexts going on simultaneously, and we have to distinguish between them because the way of approach is different in each context. So if you're talking about the context of working directly on the relationship, then there are many things that a person can learn how to do, such as uh, mastering the skill of heart-centered listening. Uh, in fact, we just have a, uh, we just completed a three-series set of articles that appeared recently, just within the last week or so in the Huffington Post, with uh, 12 keys to heartfelt relationship. But then there's the whole, the whole area of the spiritual context. In the spiritual context, it has nothing to do with what your husband or wife is doing. It has only to do with how you can heal the place inside yourself that just became upset. That's what the healing process in spiritual psychology is all about, independent of whatever it is that's going on in the relationship. Tough concept. Very tough concept. And you do make an excellent point that, you know, we come together in relationship, but we're really on our own in the sense of healing our own hearts and minds. You know, that, uh, that it's our own responsibility to show up to the party equipped. And these are phenomenal tools to help us be equipped not only to live with ourselves comfortably, but be in the world more joyfully. We're going to go to a break in 30 seconds, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. And we do have um, a caller, and she will uh, stand by for when we return to the break. In the meantime, you can reach out to Ron and Mary Holnick, founders of the University of Santa Monica, by going to their website, www.loyaltytoyoursoul.com. 
www.santamonicaunivers.com. And you can um, check out the University of Santa Monica if you have an interest in continuing education um, and obtaining your graduate degree in spiritual psychology. Is it um, gousm.edu? Yes. Okay, excellent. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents' Plate is here to help you. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment, and that's what the Parents' Plate does. The Parents' Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child-rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents' Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Evermore. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm here today with Drs. Ron and Mary Holnick, who are the founders of the University of Santa Monica, a small private graduate school offering master's degree programs in spiritual psychology. It is my alma mater. They are also the authors of Loyalty to Your Soul, 
The Heart of Spiritual Psychology. And before the break, we were talking, well, the, the whole show is actually devoted to unresolved issues, unresolved materials that keep us blocked from from our joy, in essence. And when emotions come up, negative emotions that put us in a place of being defensive or arguing with our partners or our co-workers or our children, it's because there's something going on inside. And Ron and Mary are here today to talk with us about some tools that we can employ to get through these periods that are a gentle, loving way of healing them. And Ron and Mary, before the break, we were talking about these emotions when they arise and ways to handle them. And Mary, you were going to share with us something creative and perhaps different for many of our listeners. Yes, it's a simple but very, very effective tool, and it's called freeform writing. The first step in freeform writing really is to recognize that you're out of balance and that it is an opportunity for clearing and for healing. And then you want to be able to go off by yourself to a place where you won't be interrupted and take a pad and a pen with you and just write whatever's present. And it doesn't even have to make sense. You don't have to get down every word. But you you give yourself the freedom and the permission to really write the upset that you're experiencing inside of you, the anger the hurt feelings, the disappointment, the outrage, the betrayal, what, whatever it is. You just write it and write it and write it and write it. And we recommend that people write for at least 10 minutes. Generally, people know when they're coming to completion with freeform writing because the quality of the energy will change. They'll find themselves, it's like that anger or the hurt or the resentment the pain has dissipated. And when, when you're complete with freeform writing, then do not read it over and do not keep it. Uh, burn it. And if you don't have a way to burn it, then tear it up in tiny little pieces and destroy it. Um, mm. Very, very important not to keep this around. First of all, it's like all levels of you know that whatever you wrote was in confidence and nobody else is going to see it or use it against you. And you've truly released it by getting rid of it. I, I like the concept of, of the getting rid of it, of the sort of expelling it from your consciousness and not looking back. That's very empowering. You know, it, we don't need to hang on to these things. We do have somebody who's texted a question into us who um, uh, talks about going through hardships, you know, it being in a marriage and a relationship and supporting one another through hardships. Many of us have gone through significant difficulties in the last couple of years with the economy, and that takes its toll on the dynamic of the relationship. And each one of us processes that different, differently. That's, that's absolutely accurate. <clears throat> but like everything else in life, how you relate to the issue is the issue. There are people who go through or are going through the economically challenging times without it disturbing their peace. They just deal with it in the best way that they can. There are other people who go through it, and they blame it for their upset. And we're yes. saying that's a mistake because you never get to heal that way. All you get is to be righteous. 
You know, what I would add to that, Lisa, is that challenging times really are such incredible opportunities. And we might think of them as character-building experiences. You know, and if you, in partnership, if you can really be there not only for yourself but for your partner when there are these kinds of economic challenges or other personal challenges, hardships, as was said, going on. And you learn to really be with each other, to really listen to each other with compassion and acceptance and understanding. Uh, I think it creates a space rather than when uh, where you're reacting and blaming each other for what's going on. You look at it as an opportunity for you to really deepen in your partnership and bring forward your resourcefulness, your creativity. And uh, I'll tell you, these kinds of opportunities really can provide an opportunity for truly a deepening into more of a heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul relationship. We have uh, a gentleman in the class who is married to a woman. They have two small children. And the baby, or the, the younger one, she's not a baby anymore, but has been dealing with uh, a childhood cancer mm. and spent a year in the hospital. And the parents actually, every day, they would take turns, 12 hours I'm on, 12 hours you're on. And they, would do, they did that for an entire year. They are, among, they are among the most loving, satisfied, fulfilled people that I know. The love that they have in that family is amazing. And they live with the realization that that child could go at any time. And yet, nevertheless, it has served. They would tell you it's, it's their blessing. They would tell you that. How you relate to the issue is the issue. Well, you know, it brings another word to mind, which is service, and that it's the, the, this couple and this family, they are serving this child who is in need. They are serving clearly the family unit. And so all of these other issues are not issues. That's exactly right. And Although they do have the issue of the finances, they're always in need. People are always helping them out, but people help them out gladly. Yeah. Well, because those are the people who are giving and, and helping out clearly see the, um, the reward in, in helping this family, I would think. It's a, quite an amazing story. And what's interesting through hardship, because I, I talk quite openly about my own experiences in the last couple of years, is, it is it's a softener. It's a heart melter. It brings you to a place of, if, if you allow it, if one allows it, of having a swollen empathy gland, not only for yourself, <laughs> but, but for the world, which is a positive thing. Yes, yes, yes because it... it, it, it you know, these quality of experience precipitate a real sense of vulnerability, and they do dissolve some of the protection that most of us carry over our hearts and give us greater access if we're willing to go there. There is a wonderful TED Talk that we actually played at this um 
community conference that we did um, by Brene Brown, who's a sociologist in Texas. And her talk was on the value of vulnerability, that she was a clinician and she was used to, you know, putting a statistic to everything. And when she began to do research on the subject of vulnerability, she had her own crisis of confidence. And from that crisis, she was reborn. And she learned that without being vulnerable, you can't fully experience joy. It's really true. And we have uh, watched her talk, and it's really, really beautiful and, and uplifting. It's like these, uh, these transformational kinds of experiences really can become profound personal victories. You know, if we really recognize them as opportunity rather than as curse. Yes, yes. You know, and it, it addresses one of the questions that's, that's come in here on the uh, Togi chat about coping with hardships without, being, without becoming enveloped by depression, because depression is sort of the, the dark boogeyman that nobody wants to have visit their house. <laughs> but it happens. Depression uh, is, is, is the feeling that comes from the process that we go through in our minds where we, where we give up, where we don't see a way out, and because we can't see a way that way out, we assume there isn't one, and that kind of a thought process will be associated with the feeling and we call that feeling depression. You know, and another aspect of depression often is that it is unexpressed anger. You know, it's anger that's just being held inside, uh, associated often with a feeling of hopelessness. And for people who are experiencing depression, I also strongly encourage freeform writing because people need a safe way to be able to get some of this stuff uh out of their system, out off their chest, but in a way that isn't destructive or harmful to them or to anyone else. Mm, yes, the, the, the words are free and without repercussions when they go down yes. on the page. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, and the other thing is that sometimes depression also is unprocessed grief. It's like people have gone through a significant loss of some kind and they experience depression. Maybe they sleep a lot or they eat a lot. There's a lethargy or inactivity. But it's because they haven't allowed themselves to really have all their tears, to really experience um, the pain of the loss. You know, instead they've kind of stuffed it or are sucking it up. And, again, uh, that, in our experience, really isn't workable. It's, as you said, Lisa, the vulnerability, allowing yourself to experience and express and to accept what's going on inside of you and to have compassion for yourself and the human experience. Oh, this is a perfect note to gracefully slide into our break. And we're going to come back to this subject because it is an extremely powerful one. And I think one of the keys in my own experience um, to healing. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. We're here today with doctors Ron and Mary Holnick, the founders of the University of Santa Monica, a small private graduate school offering master's degree programs in spiritual psychology, and the authors of Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of spiritual psychology here come the tunes we'll be right back where is 
can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet.com. Are you ready to get your woohoo on? From business and branding to babies, best-selling books and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio, Love, Life, Business, and the Pursuit of Happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick-butt action, best-selling author and chief woohoo woman, Lisa Stedman, wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, lisastedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back, everyone. We're speaking today with Ron and Mary Holnick, who are the founders of the University of Santa Monica and authors of Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of Spiritual Psychology. Before the break, we were touching upon the subject of depression, anger, grief, holding on to these emotions um, as a disservice to our joy, really. And um, I would love to continue that conversation and, and share with our listeners, Ron and Mary, some tools for how one can release um, these emotions in addition to the freeform writing that you mentioned. Yes. Well, the freeform writing is, a, is a, a great way to begin. And after freeform writing, we often recommend that people engage in what we refer to as compassionate self-forgiveness for judgments. 
It's like judgments are part of what contribute to that horrible feeling of separation and aloneness that we experience at times inside. And moving into a place of empathy and compassion and forgiving myself for my judgments. I forgive myself for judging myself as unworthy of love. I forgive myself for judging myself as having created a life in which I'm suffering. I forgive myself for judging my husband as uh, an idiot or whatever the judgments are. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like these are some of the kind of internal dialogue that's often processing through the consciousness is of a judgmental quality. But the thing of it is, it tends to lock the issues in place and to promote the pain of separation. Mm. And, you know, this makes me think of uh, the notion of the power of our words and our thoughts. You know, that what comes out of our mouths, the words that we speak to one another. And sometimes they're not, you know, commodious. You know, they're not nice. You know, in, in relationship, when one of the guidelines that we work with couples you start to get into an argument, at, right at that moment, whoever catches on first, say, you know what, we're sliding into an argument, I don't want to be fighting with you, and then go, all, go to your separate corners, go into different places and work on it. Freeform writing, as Mary said, is a great way. Some people need something more physical, so maybe they want to go into the bedroom and hit a pillow or hit a mattress or something that's safe. I mean, if you just think about it in, in, a very, uh, in a very superficial way, no mattress is going to complain if you hit it. But you start hitting your spouse, and there's big trouble brewing. Yes. You want safe ways to be able to blow off those kinds of energies so that you don't erode relationship. And going off by yourself is the, is the first step. Yes, putting oneself in time out. I like that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly what it is. It really take, works. Take a time out, and in that time out, you can do freeform writing, or you can do what Ron suggested. For some people, if they really get find themselves getting very angry or upset, uh, going to the gym and exercising, or going out and taking a run something like that that helps blow off the physical energy. It won't resolve the issue, but it will help dissipate the energy. When we lived in New Mexico, we lived on the edge of the desert, and when I would get into something like that, I would just put on some shoes. I'd go running out into the desert, and I'd get to a place, and I would just stop, and I would just scream, and nobody could hear me except, of course, our dog who was running along with me, and she always looked at me kind of funny, but since I wasn't <laughs> screaming at her, she never took it personally. <laughs> That's very funny. The, the yelling, the yelling into, into the middle of nowhere is a, is a good tool. I, I, I lo- I'm fond of that one myself. It yeah. helps a lot. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting because when we feel like we want to lash out physically to our partners, some of us, um, you know, particularly in the military community, they're looking for an adrenaline hit. This is another thing that we should touch upon, that some people feel in order to become stabilized when they feel their emotions brewing, they need to get into it. They need to tussle. And that's where the physical activity is a huge help for this. Well, see, and of course, the problem with that is 
that we have people, you know, we have battered spouses and things of that nature. And I, I can't see how that kind of behavior is ever going to result in a healthy relationship, mutually fulfilling healthy relationship. Oh, it doesn't. No, and this is uh, why the tools that we're talking about are so important. And I also think, Lisa, that uh, if couples can establish some intentions and some guidelines for their relationships and and maybe speaking of them as intentions, it's like if we have an intention, Ron and I have an intention to speak to each other with kind words, you know, so that our, our communications with each other ride on an energy of loving mm. rather than of frustration or annoyance, irritation, or blame. And, of course, we're all human, and at times our, um, our performance doesn't really match quite what our intentions or aspirations are. And that's, I think, where the, the compassion comes in and also the need for uh, acceptance and uh, to begin again. And that leads perfectly into a question that's come in on the chat about coming back together after a difference, an argument, a, a disagreement, and reconnecting. You know, um, how does one do that gracefully when there's pride involved? Yes. Well, you know, <laughs> pride goes before <laughs> a fall. You know, what I would say here is that the one of the things that will make the biggest difference, really two things. One is taking responsibility for your part in whatever the fight or uh, argument was. It's like to say, I realize that I said things that I didn't really mean, that I was really out of balance, and I am sincerely sorry. I, I'm a real advocate for taking responsibility and for apologizing for one's own part in a negative interaction, argument, whatever, because often destructive things are said that are very, very hurtful, and it's very helpful to go back and clean them up. Yes, very, very, very hard. But, you know, when we argue, many of us are not arguing from the present either. We're arguing with our issues in the background. Absolutely. That's, that's all we're really ever arguing about is what, is what, that's the whole point of the spiritual context. It really has nothing to do with the other person or what their position is. It has to do with that whatever is being discussed or whatever is under uh, conversation has triggered some internal rule that you hold that has been violated according to you. That's what fights are all about. In its mm. most virulent form, if you think about it, that's what a war is. It's two groups of people saying that you have violated some standard that I hold dear or we hold dear, and so we have to kill you because of it. This is an excellent point, that this is actually the crux of conflict resolution. Is that's to, right. You know, it really is to understand that we each come to the table with these set of values or, or rules that are unwritten or unspoken, that we only know ourselves because they're in our minds, and who knows where they really came from anyway. They're you know, irrational beliefs, if you will. And then we place that judgment on the person in front of us, and they don't even know what rules they've necessarily violated because it's never even been discussed. 
and it's further compounded when the people involved are in different cultures and they have totally different understandings of what's valuable. Yes. You know, and the other thing, Lisa, I think that this this whole matter of how you repair uh, when there's been an upset, a rupture, a fight in a relationship is a very, very important thing that most people have really no idea how to go about. But I think taking personal responsibility, apologizing for the things that are have been said, uh, being willing to listen and hear your partner. And, you know, it's very important not to uh, return to the fight. Um, sometimes uh, people want to clean it up, but they haven't really uh, addressed or resolved what it was that was triggered inside of them. And so they're, on, they're still on kind of a short fuse. And this is where going to your private space, doing your freeform writing, working with compassionate self-forgiveness, get yourself back into balance. Get yourself back into balance. And then maybe another key is reflecting on what it was that drew you to your partner in the first place. In other words, what is it about them that is particularly precious and lovable to you so that you have that awareness in your consciousness? It perhaps allows you to approach your partner in a more open-hearted way. You know, and sometimes things happen in relationship where people really need to be able to talk them through. They, they need to be able to talk them through. And there's one other technique that we encourage couples to use. It's a heart talk. Take something that's a symbol of your love. It could be a velvet heart. It could be a heart-shaped stone. It could be something else. And who is ever talking holds the stone. And the partner's job is to just listen openly with loving and not to say anything until their partner gives them the heart. Part of what this does is it slows down the conversation so that there's not interruption and, and also it helps prevent misunderstanding from occurring. Another good key is to write them a letter, a heartfelt letter, and explain your position, but do it in a way that's not blaming. Do it in a way that is uh, talking about how can we talk about these things in a way that it can be constructive. And the reason I say the letter is because typically in a conversation, people will interrupt each other. But if you write a letter, someone will read the end of the letter before responding. These are wonderful suggestions. And once again, we have blown through another hour together. And we will definitely have you guys back again if, you, if you'll agree to come. And I want to close out the hour with Ron and Mary Holnick by um, thanking everyone for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Ron and Mary Holnick, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kanan. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on Togedat. 